Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Sarah Morton, Chief Strategy Officer at Meet Amy Innovations. Meet Amy is a company that's working to bring digital assets to the traditional wealth management space in Canada. I brought on the show specifically to talk about how she's going to help evolve the industry into the digital asset space. And with that, here's my interview with Sarah. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jason. So Sarah Morton of Meet Amy Innovations, tell us about Meet Amy. Well, Meet Amy is our company that we have built to help advisors engage directly with digital asset investing on behalf of their clients. And the company was founded a couple of years ago as we recognized the growth opportunities in the digital asset space, starting with cryptocurrencies, but, but broader digital asset investing, including tokenized equities, tokenized real estate, and, and everything that's coming in that space. And we looked at the industry was really born out of consumer adoption. So lots of places, well over 350 exchanges for consumers to invest in digital assets. But we found people called their advisors, I want to add digital assets to my portfolio. And the answer is no. And we recognize there's an opportunity there, along with a number of challenges of how do you integrate this fast-paced evolving world of digital asset investing into the traditional world. And so we've spent a lot of time really understanding traditional wealth management, portfolio managers, IROC dealer brokers, RIAs, how that whole world works, software platforms they run. And we built our first product, Amy Pro, which is a software platform to enable advisors to manage their client accounts and invest directly in digital assets on behalf of their clients. We work with regulated vendors. So we work with, for example, Gemini's our first integration for qualified custodian and liquidity because they meet the qualified custodian status as we launched in Canada. And our clients have the SMA interface where they can manage multiple client accounts from a single pane of glass. They can transact directly in digital assets. They can build portfolios. They can model portfolios. And then we feed that data into their traditional system. So we have an integration with Index that is live today. And then we're working with other, other parties to integrate. So the data feeds in and is part of the overall wealth management practice. Excellent. First, before we go any further, let's talk about the origin of the company. What was the initial issue that, that gave rise? I mean, obviously, it must have been something to do with, hey, my advisor can't actually invest in this stuff for me. How do we solve it? Talk about the initial genesis of where it came from. Yeah, there was a number of factors. So my co-founder and I really got involved in the blockchain space about four years ago. And initially, we were looking at blockchain and crypto mining, just with Canada having such a surplus of power. We looked at the mining space. We started really working with the investment community to understand what they were thinking about in terms of crypto investing. And, you know, if you go back two years, it was it was a bad word. Personally, you know, as we talked to our advisors and they couldn't invest in digital assets, we went down the journey of, of doing that on our own. And there was a day I remember we were sitting in our office and a friend called and said he urgently needed to get crypto because one of his clients had been hacked and locked out. And what was the best way to do it? And it sort of spurred this whole conversation around everybody needs a crypto friend. This is, it's a deep journey. There's, you know, everybody kind of goes in down the rabbit hole on their own and, and figures it out. And what if you could call a friend? And that's where the idea and the name of Amy, Ami in French, Amiga in Spanish, Amy's your crypto friend. So the whole Meet Amy family of products is designed to help to be the co-pilot on the journey into digital assets as, as we transform into that world. So it wasn't a single point. It was 
a number of factors. So let's not, you know, diminish here. For those who don't understand, like this is not just a simple fact, like as simple as buying a stock on a market, right? Now in Canada, we do have the benefit of being able to have mark-to-market products that can hold crypto. So I can buy ETFs and mutual funds that do hold crypto. There are, I'd say the downside of that, of course, is that there are fees just for the existence of those structures. And it's not quite the same thing as being able to reach through and, and own the individual security itself, right? Which is something that is, it's the pooled solution is definitely a solution, but it's not necessarily a solution for everybody. So that's not something that's simple. And part of it is that our current massive legacy infrastructure using COBOL batch servers that batch at the end of the day just can't handle something that clears as it basically works. Like it's just, so it's just, it's hilarious to think that you have to merge like a blockchain ledger with basically with batch end of day systems. So this is not a small lift, right? So let's talk about like the challenges in creating this platform, right? So talk to me about like kind of the base level stuff and let's work our way to the, to the eventual console. What were the biggest things you encountered that were technological issues this long way? <laughs> Where to start? So mm-hmm. if you look at the, as you say, the crypto world, um, the way transactions process, the way they're ledgered is different than I want to buy an Apple stock, I buy a single unit of an Apple stock. So a lot of our last quarter has really been going through the the mechanics of ingesting the data that comes out of the trade execution platform and want to say, quote unquote, normalizing that into the legacy reporting system. So with, say, for example, a Bitcoin, you can place an order for one unit of Bitcoin. That might fill in one unit, that might fill in two transactions, that might fill in 20 transactions. If you've set the price aggressively low, it could fill over several days. The advisor at the end of the day wants to see Mr. Client has one unit of Bitcoin with a book value with some transaction fees and a market value. To get that data from liquidity into that system, we've had to do a lot of architecture to capture all those transactions, make sure we've got them ledgered on our blockchain, and then be able to feed that data in, as you say, at four o'clock EST on a daily basis. So too funny for words. Yeah. So we've, and really, I think we were, I would say we were naive in that undertaking, but we've, we've really gone deep in the complexity and have that architected. So that's fundamental that we can, we can enable the advisor to process the trades through a simple interface and then receive that data into their wealth management system or their portfolio management system. And we've had tremendous working relationship with Gemini because there's had to be many things architected on both sides in order to facilitate the ease of use that the advisor needs and and some of the reg tech pieces that we've needed to build into our system. So how do you address supervisory? How do you address exemptions? So if an advisor builds a portfolio and something, the balance is off, how are they going to get that data? How are they going to correct that? How are they going to rebalance that? Moving assets from cold storage. So the advisor purchases on the exchange and then they need to move them to cold storage. So they're held offline and they're in that qualified custodian where there's more insurance. So making sure the advisor understands that process because you're not really used to buying an asset and going and putting it somewhere. We're addressing the challenges when there's multiple custody providers, how we're going to manage moving assets across a public blockchain with transaction fees. So there's a number of there's a number of topics coming up that really need to be simplified and, and workflows built to, to really drive adoption and make this easy for people. 
Yeah, it's um, it's definitely traversing new territory, right? So cold storage. So we're talking deep cold storage. We're just talking offline cold storage, and then we'll explain um, that for for people in a second. Yeah, so it, we're providing what Gemini is able to provide, which is cold storage offline. Uh, we are yeah. looking at other integrations because there are different use cases, right? So depending how quickly the advisor may need to access the asset, the custodians will be different. So yeah. with with us being a multi-custodian platform, we're the only multi-custodian platform in the market to to address the different use cases. So you look at a if you look at an insurance company who wants to hold for a long period of time, it's ultra cold storage, right? Ice cold in a vault uh, versus an advisor needs to be able to rebalance and have access, but needs needs security around the asset. Um, and needs the insurance. Extra insurance comes with cold storage. We don't want to be leaving assets on exchanges or hot wallets. Yeah. So, and for those of you listening and wondering what the heck we're talking about, <laughs> hot wallets are accessible on online. Like the keys are all stored so that basically like it can be transacted, but there's a way to take those or store those digitally in such a method where those wallets are technically like kind of, kind of, well, the, 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 pub, the private keys are taken away and stored somewhere that's not hooked up to the internet so that you can't move on them right away, which provides an extra level of security. So that's what we're talking about. And yeah, for anyone who's looking to, there's risk associated with any of this, right? There's always risk associated with the crypto world that those that those keys are gonna get out and you're gonna get stolen. The only the only protection you have is to make, make them inaccessible one way or another. So this is something that is not, we don't have to worry about when it comes to stocks, right? Like, <laughs> but, but it's something we have to worry about in the crypto space and it's definitely key. Okay, so you, know, you have to build a bunch of innovations. What's the end result? If I am an advisor and I start using your platform, what is my, first off, I want to, let's just do something simple. A client wants to buy a bunch of Bitcoin. I have money in traditional accounts. How does this look? Yep. So um, more areas we've navigated. So in the, if we look at the portfolio manager example, because it's different than an omnibus IROC dealer broker business Mm -hmm. model. Right now, the model is set up that the firm, the portfolio manager sets up an account with Amy Pro and sets up an institutional account with our qualified custodian, in this case, Gemini. And we go through setting up those accounts and and connecting the software so that once they're activated, the advisors can be created and they can create their clients within Amy Pro. Each client has a named account. So in similar sense to National Bank or IB or Fidelity, it's a named account and it gets funded. And then once it's funded, the client or the advisor sees the funds available and through our very simple interface can buy Bitcoin, buy Ether. And in the next couple of months, we'll be able to buy another 10 coins. They'll be able to make those transactions. Once they're processed, they can move those assets into cold storage and store them on behalf of the client. And then we extract that data from Gemini and feed it into the portfolio management system. So the advisor sees the entire holding the next day as with other purchases. So that's that's the fundamentals of it. Um, You'd asked about some of the challenges we've overcome. Discretionary account providers don't like wiring money to crypto exchanges. So we're still navigating, you know, we need the banks to to start accepting adoption and create some of the rails for the money to move faster. So uh, we're working with what we can, but it works and we have success and we have clients on the system doing it. So that's step one. The advancement will be when we see more more rails for money in. And as we're building portfolio tools, it'll, it'll just create easier methods for client 
for advisors to create portfolios and and drive mass purchases. Yeah, I mean that's that's gotta be a challenge, right? Someone wants to make it move on something. We don't want to wait on traditional payment line lines to basically move money from one account to another. And unfortunately, because we can't merge the two seamlessly, there is that there is that friction there. Exactly. So we're working with what is available today and the clients who want to get into the space are willing to fund their own accounts, but we are really hoping to see more traditional financial adoption and acceptance. We actually got accepted into the RBCX program this year, which we consider a major move that uh, CIBC and RBC and, and some of the larger institutions are really recognizing the movement towards digital assets. So we consider that a positive. So now that you've given advisors the ability to um, to basically do this, what are you doing to help explain this universe to them? <laughs> well, <laughs> good question. We are launching Amy Learn, which is our learning series. We have a fantastic head of learning. Our chief learning officer, Chuck Hamilton, has been a thought leader in learning and blended learning for the last 20 years. And he has joined us and has built out a learning strategy because not only does he see the opportunity to educate in the space, but also the complexity. This isn't, you can't buy a book on Bitcoin, read it front to back and know everything about Bitcoin. It's its moving so quickly. So we've got some blockchain 101, Bitcoin, a number of courses that are being launched that will have modular pieces to, to allow advisors to understand this and then really meet their, uh, their proficiency needs. There's a gap there. We talk to the regulators quite frequently. There's no prescribed learning. So it's one of the challenges, advisors, the firms, the back office, the accountants, we really need the world to get that basic understanding. So our learning series will address that. And you've got something called Meet Amy Consumer. Talk to me about that. What's going on there? Meet Amy Consumer was the initial concept. We've stayed focused on the um, the advisor adoption. There's there's just so much in the space. So the learning series will help support consumers. But right now we're just so, we're so immersed in the wealth advisor world that we haven't uh, we haven't moved that forward. Well, talk to me about how the conversation is changing. I'm sure when you first started talking to wealth management firms about this. There was a lot of dismissal, probably. That has to be changing, you know, not just as and just as people get used to these concepts. So what are you hearing from the conversation or how the conversations developed over time? Yeah, you're absolutely right. A couple of years ago, it was, you know, maybe one client asks. Now it's we're we're talking to some advisors who are seeing close to 50% of their clients asking. We've definitely seen the ETF as a band-aid to get exposure and um, has met has met a need, but recently it, it sort of, it changes weekly. So we've had conversations recently with advisors who are calling us and telling us that their clients are pulling cash out of their managed accounts to go do this on their own. So that's spurring management to accelerate a bit more. So it is evolving. I think we're seeing studies, KPMG has done studies, lots of studies in the US. Interest is increasing. We know younger advisors are, or younger clients are interested in this. So advisors are recognizing how are we going to meet the changing needs of our clients? So it is, we're seeing close to 50% of advisors now saying we're being asked about this and we don't have a solution. Interesting. Okay. Different client experience than mine. I'll say that much. I will not say it's anywhere near 50%. So yeah, you're seeing that. It's interesting in the US as well, because um, we're working with a number of RIAs who are setting up Mm -hmm. brand new RIAs 
and they are only going to focus on digital assets. So they want crypto exposure. They want tokenized real estate exposure. So we're seeing a shift and you're seeing these younger investors who are making a lot of money in the crypto world and they need advisors who can actually help them navigate that and recognize what the tax implications are and how to reinvest it. So we're seeing a shift across the border that's um, more aggressive, but more interesting in Canada. Shocking, shocking. I know. <laughs> you'll be ahead on something. I don't know what to say about that. That's they're never, you know, straight ahead of us by multiple years on that. Oh, my cynicism. Anyway, so I think not surprising. I mean, it is a little interesting to see that you're literally having digital only RIAs. I mean, that's I, I see that as a niche. I mean, I still think it's a little bit exclusionary to focus only on that, but nevertheless, um, more power to them and good luck to them. Excellent. So how much uh so that's that's the advisors, right? You of course have to deal with the likes of broker dealers, um, you know. RAs and, and ICPMs are too di- are different. They have more direct control. What kind of reaction are you getting from them from the uh, broker dealer world? They're <laughs> oh, you're being you're being very precise with your words. Okay, I, I get know. it. I'm, I'm not sorry. Go. I uh, yes, I don't want you to throw your clients under a bus, but I will say that I'm guessing you know the management of a management of broker dealers is not typically the leading edge of the spear on innovation. So I will say that much. Well, I, I'm being cautious because we have NDAs in place. And ah, okay. Um, so so I, what I want to know more so is how has the conversation evolved? Like, are you seeing again? Are you seeing much more interest and led much less reticence in the last say 24 months? Absolutely. Just even the last quarter, at the end of 2021, there was an urgency to start start moving through the process and understanding where firms are going to play. So absolutely, there's a number of firms who are firmly planted in the no camp. And there's a number of firms that are accelerating the conversation and exploring. So usually it starts with a workshop where we do some education to the management team or the executive team, talk about the state of state of the world, um, what the options are. You know, as you talked about, some firms will just be happy with the ETFs and different um, different vehicles like that. And others are recognizing that whether it's a 24-month strategy or a five-year strategy, it's time to start engaging that. Well, I think this the conversation I've had with others is that, look, okay, I get it. Maybe it's not on your radar now, but you, you need to start doing some kicking the tires, right? Because maybe your thesis of it disappearing happens. And that's the case. You're sitting there going, okay, I talked to some interesting people. I'm like, not saying it's going to. But if it doesn't, you don't want to be caught with your pants down five years later when everybody else has done this and you're losing business because of it. Exactly. And um you know, we look at some of the organizations in the U.S., like Binance, well, Binance globally transacting $15 billion a day, looking at FTX has raised, I think it's $400 million on a $32 billion valuation, looking at BitMEX just acquired a two, an eight-year-old exchange BitMEX just acquired a 279-year-old German bank. So there's this early days of crypto is going to eat traditional finance. But when we're seeing exchanges that are that have close to 100 million consumers on them and a market cap larger than some of the Canadian banks, I think we need to wake up and address, is, is this going to be an issue for us or are we going to just lose out on that? And uh, mm-hmm. You know, is is the world going to change overnight? Is everything going to go digital? No. Is it going to go digital in the next 10 years, 20 years, five years? I think it's it's yeah. really important to orient where you are in that and, wh- and where your clients are. And if, if this is something your clients want today or the clients you want tomorrow want this, it's time to start thinking about it. 
Yeah, but I would also say that, you know, those are, you know, dismissive. Keep in mind that while we're talking about cryptocurrencies today, which you can basically debate the validity or necessity for any of that, the reality is, is one of the most striking use cases for blockchain technology is the replacement of all the batch processing infrastructure that happens in, in relation to securities. Like it is, it is like, frankly, almost custom made for replacing all the infrastructure in the securities business, which counts for, frankly, I think some like 30% of all the costs associated with everything. So sooner or later, that shift will happen. And those technologies, you know, it may not be that the legacy platforms are able to keep up with that. Probably won't be that the legacy platforms are able to facilitate that. So if anything, you're you're in a way a, a future hedge against basically having to make that move wholesale, you know, when that digital future becomes becomes reality. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> the other yeah, thing I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to mention back to the ETFs. Yep. Well, it's an interesting model, right? Because the ETFs provide you exposure, but with our with our model and our cost structure, an advisor can hold the asset directly for their client. They can make the management fee rather than the ETF making the management fee, and the client holds the asset. So, economically, it's not more expensive. It's it's actually less money to hold it directly with the same qualified custodian. And then yep. when we turn on the world of DeFi later this year, the client can actually start to earn interest and cover their costs on holding this asset class. So we we see a strong and compelling argument for holding the assets for the clients. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it comes down to, you know, just to say what you just said a different way. I mean, direct indexing is a trend picking up in the US. The Concern there has always been the need for certain technologies scale and you know keep again the cost down to the point where it's not going to add substantial cost to it. Whereas you can buy fractional ownership of any coin and create a diversified portfolio. Probably well, depending on the coin we're talking about and the exchange we're talking about, at a very low to no to no additional cost compared to just holding it. So managing that is definitely a benefit. And then you said in terms of the world of DeFi, all that's doing is taking the securities lending that custodians were doing before and making the money on themselves. And, and putting that in the hands of the consumer, right? Like at the end of the day, the most people don't realize this. If you own your shares of Apple, yeah, they're sitting, te- they're technically sitting in your account, but your custodian can lend th- those shares to somebody else who wants to short them, completely legitimately legal. They can make the money on that, and all that has to happen is you just have to return on the earn the return on the Apple. So, so really, it's uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes people don't know about, and that entire DeFi lending is a way of kind of flipping that on its head. Yeah, agreed. And I think that advisors who really are recognizing their clients will do this with or without them are starting to look at how do we how do we do this? So yeah, yeah that was a big that was a big eye-opener for me getting into the world of wealth management because I come from a technology background and really focused on the infrastructure. And um, yeah, just seeing the, you know, the returns the client often sees versus the returns the firm sees there's a big disconnect there. So I think this is this is that democratization of finance. It it will open up more returns for the consumer and it'll drive more adoption. And and so I find that a positive. Yeah, well, I think most would. Excellent. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody to end on a positive note. We kind of hit a one of them already, but we'll get back to it. First question is if you have one wish for something can change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? I just wish that the market would realize it's coming faster and, and get moving. <laughs> 
Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's uh, that can be taken to mean any number of things from crypto investing to just the infrastructure play that exists. And yeah, it's um, we it's live in a we live days. in a world where you know I kind of feel like I've, I'm in the middle of I've got one universe swirling a billion miles an hour and another one churning away slowly, and we're kind of holding the two together. And I just think there's so much opportunity and adoption here, and and I really wish the conversation would shift to the positives as opposed. You know, we need to get out of that crypto is bad; it's used for money laundering and to the opposite. So is cash. That's the interesting thing. So is cash. So is Canadian housing. You know, so is anything that's a marketable, that's marketable period can be used for it. So, I, I so live yeah. in Vancouver, so please don't talk to me. Oh, about there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Americans listening to this will never know the pain unless they pick up Sam Cooper's willful blindness. Anyway, so moving and it's one of those things where as usual, the future happens slowly and then all at once. So uh, we'll see what happens. Second question. I already asked you about a number of challenges that you've had, um, but what has been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? That's a tough one. It really is the objections in the market to to keep things the way they are versus adopting how they come. It's kind of the it's the uh, flip of the other. It, it really is just um, seeing the opportunity and having to navigate through, like I said, the the on ramps of fiat and the just the negative sentiment. And then it flips, right? It, it goes from okay, I'm interested to now I want everything. So as you said, it's slow and then it flips really quickly. So it is just, I think it's just the speed. We're in the crypto world. We're a bunch of racehorses. We want to go quickly. And uh <laughs> we're stuck with the the speed of of what is. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's for sure. You're definitely stuck. The uh the last question I have for you is what is it that excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up every morning to keep on fighting the good fight? Well, this is, it's such an exciting space. Personally, I just look at, I'm really a believer in, in blockchain for good and the global opportunities that exist in a future state where we can create this world of global opportunity and introduce people to projects, ESG projects, blockchain for good around the world. So I think that opportunity just excites me. And then we've just built this team around us who, who've We've drawn this team to us who just loves how big the challenge is. And so everybody gets up every day and we're just, everyone's tackling their piece of this challenge. And it's just, it's an amazing team to work with. It's the best group I've worked with. It's really fun. So keeps the energy level up. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, Sarah. Very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So that was Sarah Morton of Meet Amy Innovations. And if you're in the Canadian market and looking for, well, actually in the US one too now with them, take a look at Meet Amy Innovations platform for how you can incorporate crypto into your overall or digital assets into your overall asset management platform. And with that, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, or whatever is your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.